Welcome to St. Alphonsus Wellcast, the podcast where we explore the many facets of health and well-being. This podcast is brought to you by St. Alphonsus Corporate Health and Well-Being and a generous grant from the St. Alphonsus Foundation. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hello, good afternoon. This is Kim Cleveland with the St. Alphonsus Wellcast. I'm the family nurse practitioner with the Department of Corporate Health and Wellbeing. And today we have a special guest on, Dr. Abalash Desai. He's a geriatric psychiatrist with St. Alphonsus in the Memory Center. And today we will be talking about protective factors and risk factors for dementia. Dr. Desai, thank you so much for coming on with us. Hi, Kim. Delighted to be here. Yeah, this is great. This has been a long time coming. We've been having this in the works for a while, and we've been really excited to have this conversation and introduce this series of information as well as resources for family members and for patients who um, are have questions about dementia and memory impairment. So tell us what you have to say. All right. So before we get started, let me ask you some questions and Put you on the hot seat. Okay. So, so far, uh, research has identified a certain number of factors that are considered potentially uh, potentially modifiable risk factors for dementia. So, how many factors do you think research has identified? Just give a guess. Oh, Three, gosh. six, nine, or 12? I guess I would guess 12. You're right. Yay, good. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. All right. Second question. Okay. Is if all these 12 factors were eliminated from our population, right, our country, the whole world, what percentage of dementias would be prevented? So the answer is 10, 20, 30, 40%. Maybe 30%? 40%. 40%. Wow. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Now, obviously, as I go through the factors, you realize how hard it's going to be to eliminate them. Right. But So this is theoretical. But just for you to know how much, you know, our lifestyle and how we handle chronic diseases can influence our future risk of dementia. Yeah, I think that's something we'd all love to hear about. If there's anything we can do to keep ourselves healthy, difficult or not, I think we would at least like to know what direction to head. Right. All right, one more question. In the next year, across the whole world, how many new cases of dementia will occur over one year? So it's the answer is, you know, 2 million, 5 million, 10 million, 15 million. 10 million. You're right. Oh, oh my great. Look at that. <laughs> so, so, so then if 40% are preventable, right? So let's let's imagine that we went back into time and we took care of all these risk factors. Yeah. Then 4 million people the next year would not get dementia. Right. That's not a small number. No, it's not <laughs> at all. That'd be a huge quality of life improvement exactly. for so many people. And again, as you hear the factors, you'll realize that this same factors will influence your length of life quantity of life. It's a good thing to do that anyway. Right. It'll also reduce your cardiovascular risk of, say, heart attacks, Mm -hmm. reduce your risk of stroke. So as you see, all these things are coming together where, based on your genetics, the risk factors will cause that specific problem. Right. So even if I'm not at high risk for, say, dementia, and this is true, I'm at high risk for coronary artery disease, if I follow these things, it will reduce my risk for heart disease. 
So there's a little downside to making some of these changes. There's no downside. Well, downside is that it's hard work. Right. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's get started. So in 2017, the Lancet Commission, very reputable organization on all the experts, identified nine potentially modifiable risk factors, and I'll go through them. So first is no secondary education or more. Okay. So if everybody in the world got secondary education, 100,000 less people will develop dementia every year. Okay. So, so again, education is key, starting early. And the thinking is that you're developing brain reserve or cognitive reserve, basically brain bank balance. Mm -hmm. I think it's more to it, you know, with education, you are more likely to understand all the health literacy information and right. follow all the things that you're supposed to do and, and so forth. So anyway, so that's number one. Then in midlife, so 45 to 65, there are certain factors that I've identified. One is hypertension, mm -hmm. which means if you treat it, you'll reduce your risk of future dementia. Hearing impairment, which was surprising when I first saw it, but uh, it makes sense because, you know, we we listen and talk and that stimulates our brain. Right. When people have hearing impairment, they don't engage in social interactions as right. much. They might get depressed. Anyway, but really in the future, we should start screening for hearing impairment and then helping them take care of that seriously because right. not only their quality of life will improve, but their future risk of dementia will go down. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Smoking, not surprising, right. but now it's an established risk factor for dementia. Remember, that's separate from your risk factor for heart disease and strokes. So, so again, if you stop smoking, you will reduce your risk of future dementia. Right. And, and so get all the help for that. And then obesity is also midlife, all right? Increases your risk of future dementia. So maybe the hypothesis is that obesity is linked to inflammation. That is increased inflammation. And then obviously that compromises brain function. It affects our vasculature. So there is decreased blood circulation. So again, you know, uh, we need to realize that all these are modifiable. Right. But as you know, it's, it's not easy, right? Right. For many of our patients or ourselves. And then there is four late life factors. So that's older than 65. So one is depression. Believe it or not, if you have late life serious depression, you are at high risk of future dementia. And sorry to say, but in some cases, this might be the earliest evidence of start of dementia. Okay. So that's two is different things. Mm -hmm. And so we really need to aggressively treat dementia to reduce their future risk, but also closely follow up to see if they have underlying memory problems and help them. Mm -hmm. Physical inactivity, not mm -hmm. surprised. Mm -hmm. So so to me, I, I think it applies to midlife, but the research is definitely there for late life physical inactivity. Sedentary lifestyle is a, is a no-no. Mm -hmm. And so if you dramatically improve that, you will reduce your risk of dementia. Diabetes, not surprising. Right. So, so And then low social contact. Mm -hmm. So really, we need to really be very active in our social activities. And sometimes our... Our culture is so focused on sort of achieving and production that we don't spend enough time with friends and family and just wasting time with yes, them, right? Yes. So, so no, time to stop that. Yep. So there are three more factors, but any thoughts on what I've said so far? Yeah, I just, I think it's interesting because, you know, these are 12 different factors that independently impact somebody's risk. But then also you think about how they play together. You know, depression makes people less likely to be active and also less likely to engage in social relationships. Correct. 
Similarly with, um, you know, hearing loss, if you have hearing loss, it's harder to interact socially and maybe you aren't able to even have your brain stimulated in the same way because you're losing out on one of your senses part of the time. Um, So I'm seeing a lot of overlap, but also how addressing each one separately can maybe create a whole picture of wellness and, and health span as well. Right, right. So this is both for the people listening and if they are not sure, they should bring this up with their primary care physicians and providers uh, regarding why brain health for them is important. And this is not just for people who have family history of dementia or you know some genetic risks, uh, but in general. One of the biggest risk factors for dementia is age, which means that all of us are at risk because there's a good chance that the average life expectancy is like 75, 80, right. even 85. You know? Right. So... All right. So, and by the way, if all these factors, believe it or not, hearing impairment has the highest risk compared to others. So if nobody had hearing impairment, 800,000 less people would get dementia next year. Yeah, that is. (laughs) Turn off that rock music. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. All right. And then in 2020, Lancet Commission came back because there was more research to identify three more potentially modifiable risk factors. For dementia. So number one, excessive alcohol consumption, more than 21 units per week. Second, traumatic brain injury. So seatbelts, you know, helmets, and anything else you can do to protect your brain. Well, concussion management, too. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And then air pollution. So that's where, you know, the government and where we live come in play. So on a side note, you know, one in eight Deaths in Europe are linked to pollution. I'm sure we'll have some similar statistics in the U.S. So we have three more, alcohol, TBI, air pollution. Any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think um, we've talked a little bit about alcohol in the podcast before and and how we've kind of seen this swing in the other direction with upcoming generations and and how they're realizing the harmful effects of alcohol and abstaining a little bit more. And and then there's sort of some of the, if you generalize, some of the middler generations are still imbibing quite a bit. And I think there's a little bit to be said, you know, what other ways can we use to manage stress and to socialize and and involve ourselves in um, situations that maybe are a little less harmful for our health. Right. So I want to finish with just a mention of some protective factors, which would be obvious. One is moderate to vigorous physical activity. So that's a little more than mild. So anybody who's, you know, interested in truly reducing their risk or protecting themselves should make sure that they are doing moderate to physical, vigorous physical activity. And now we have all these amounts of time and intensity. And so I think people should read up and maybe in the future, we can just talk about exercise itself. Oh, definitely. As a whole separate podcast. Yeah. And I think with cardiovascular disease risk protection, you're thinking about getting so active that you can breathe, but you can't sing, right? Or you can maybe talk, but you can't sing for 30 to 45 minutes most days of the week, if you can. I think that's what's studied the most. And certainly that's something we can all strive for. Right, 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 right. The second is, again, obvious, very rich social life, spend more time with family, friends, have fun. And, you know, if you feel guilty, feel guilt on what I say, a timer. 10 minutes a day and yeah. <laughs> your day's quarter of guilt is over. Yeah, exactly. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and uh, believe it or not, uh, nutrition. So obviously balanced nutrition, right? We have all kinds of macronutrients, micronutrients, probiotics, and we'll have another show for that. 
But there are some studies to show that Mediterranean diet plus, plus DASH diet, dietary approaches to stop hypertension, have been linked to better brain function in general, reduced risks of dementia. And so I think in general, if your diet is sad, standard American diet, yes. <laughs> I would be very sad. Yes, yes. And so, again, you know, in the past, we didn't realize that we can really alter our health and brain health trajectory. And so the, the main message is that we need to kickstart, kick off a brain health and wellness journey now. Yes. That's it, Kim. That's all. Yeah, I think this was super enlightening. I mean, I think, you know, this opens the door to so many different things that we can talk about in terms of how to lower our risk, improve our overall health, improve our brain function. You know, in our house, my, my kids love to eat junk food. And whenever I try to give them something healthy, we always say it's brain food. Right, <laughs> and right. it usually gets them going on eating the right thing. And, right. and I think, you know, those are just ways that we can kind of reframe what, the way we're looking at our lives in terms of how we can protect ourselves and, and go forward into overall health. Right. So what's the take-home message here? What was, what's the number one piece of advice you would give to someone who's looking to protect themselves from dementia? Well, you know, make, a commitment to really uh, strongly make brain health your priority going forward and radically alter your lifestyle if that needs to happen. Yeah, and take such courage. That's that's great. Right. Well, thank you so much for the information today. I think this was really informative and, um, you know, at least gives us some context moving forward as well about what we can do for our overall health and to protect our brain. Hey, I've Talk about memory. I forgot something. Yeah. So that's just me, all right? I think there's going to be increased research on regular meditation, yoga, tai chi, relaxation exercises for 20 minutes that will also have a protective effect. Yeah. That, I mean, that'll be more research to come on that for sure. I was a little surprised to not hear sleep on the protective factors. Well, another thing I forgot. Or risk factors. No, you're <laughs> right. So I think in the future, we will see more uh, potentially modifiable risk factors added. I think sleep problems, sleep disorders will be probably the first thing to come online. Totally agree. Yeah. Well, hopefully we'll have more research and we can get a study going of our own. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Well, great. Okay. Well, we will see you next time where we hopefully we'll be talking about nutrition in regards to dementia with Amy James, our registered dietitian as well. Um, And if you or a loved one feel as though you could benefit from some of the resources from the Brain Center, the Memory Center, you can contact the Memory Center via 208 302-5400 and see a provider there. There is no self-referral process, but you can also be in touch with your primary care provider in order to obtain a referral, or you can always call to get more information. Thank you so much, and I hope you have a great day, and we will see you next time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of St. Alphonsus Wellcast, brought to you by St. Alphonsus Corporate Health and Wellbeing and the St. Alphonsus Foundation. Always be sure to catch new episodes by subscribing to us through all major podcast platforms, including Apple, Google, and Spotify. We hope you'll tune in again. Until then, be well.